and welcome to the Quarantined Mom Podcast. Actually, I'm not sure what I'm going to be calling this. Um, Honestly, I don't know if it's even going to turn into a podcast. But I just wanted to record this crazy time in my life. Um, We've got the COVID-19 pandemic going on and I wanted to use this as sort of a, um, an audio journal and a primary source document just to document some of the things that are going on in the world, um, in the U.S. and in my little small corner of Indiana, in West Lebanon, Indiana. Um, I am on my way back uh, from Brazil, Indiana, where my husband works currently. He's a paramedic for Star Ambulance. He's pretty high up in the command of chain of command in the company. Um, he's one of the primary supervisors and he's the supply chain manager and whatever. But, um, I had to run some very important necessities to him, uh, such as clean underwear and clean socks and a change of clothes because, um, he is currently working a 120 hour shift. Uh, he has never worked that many hours straight as a paramedic in his 10 years, almost 10 years in EMS. And it's kind of crazy to think that like, first of all, he's been in EMS for that long. And second of all, it's crazy to think that he's working that many days straight. Uh, it's because somebody called off sick, um, with COVID like symptoms, Uh, And so obviously, if you can get out ahead of it and, you know, hopefully stop um, exposing people who don't need to be exposed when you're a first responder, you know, that is your civic duty to not go into work and just, you know, uh, take the blunt of the financial whatever um, because of because of the the virus. But um yeah, so again, my husband, Zach, is working 120 hours, and um, he was not expecting to work that many hours. He was actually only going to be working 48 hours, which is not uncommon. That's a typical overtime shift, um, but uh, he he has to do 120 hours, and it sucks, and it's really hard for me because I've got two littles at home. I've got Gabe, who's three and a half, and I've got Benjamin, who's three months old. And uh, I'm just so thankful for a couple of things. First of all, I'm so thankful that my husband has been blessed with this ability to help those in need medically. Um, He's really great at his job. He's really great at caring for others in a medical capacity. Um, he, he's, he, he knows a lot about the human body and how to save lives. And so I'm really grateful for that. And um, I'm really grateful that he is able to, yeah, take care of others. Um, I'm grateful for the fact that I'm not pregnant, but that my child is born because what they're finding out about this COVID-19 is there, it's kind of um, unknown as to what, uh, what happens to women who contract the virus and then give birth. Uh, they're not certain if the baby's 
then are born with COVID-19. They're not certain if there are any developmental delays. They don't, they, they have really no clue about this virus. They don't know anything. I mean, they know some things, but mainly they are completely in the dark. And I think that's why so many people are so scared is, you know, you just don't know. A lot of people are saying, oh, it's a lot like, um, a lot like the flu. It's less than the flu. It's a little more than a cold. It's about somewhere on that spectrum, but it's, there's some truth to that for some people, but there's a lot of unknowns. And so that's why COVID-19 is pretty scary, also known as coronavirus. But um, something else that I'm really thankful for is that people are panicking. And I'm not thankful that people are panicking, but I'm thankful that um, I have the ability to feed my three-month-old without formula. I exclusively breastfeed. Um, I, I do pump and give the breast milk when I'm away from Gabriel, uh, Benjamin, but, um, I'm just so thankful that because people are freaking out, they're stockpiling unnecessary, unnecessary amounts of formula and like hoarding things and being very selfish and gosh, it's scary. And I, I'm just so thankful that I don't have to fight people. <laughs> As crazy as that sounds, like I don't have to worry about where's my child's next meal coming from, uh, which kind of leads into my next thing is I'm so thankful that we are relatively financially stable. Um, and, you know, we have debt like a lot of people, but we've got income and we don't foresee that income going away anytime soon. And um, I'm just so thankful that I, I can feed my family. I can enjoy some of the luxuries of life because, um, you know, life becomes a lot harder when you have to worry about where your, where your next meal's coming from. So I'm really thankful for that. But, um, that kind of also touches on something that, uh, some fears that are coming into play currently, uh, across the, the globe, not only, um, where's our next meal coming from, but also, um, what is this COVID-19 going to do to the medical system? What is it going to do to the economic system? Uh, the government is currently trying to pass, um, a bill that would provide a stimulus package. I think they're calling it like the COVID-19 stimulus package or something like that, um, to aid families, in, um, in, in just providing some additional money. I think like for my family, it'd be like $3,000 or something like that. Um, just to help these people who are laid off of temporarily laid off of work right now, because, um, you know, a lot of people who aren't in the healthcare industry, the trucking industry, believe it or not, the grocery industry, um, basically everybody else is, if, if you can't work from home, uh, then you are laid off. Uh, and that's so scary just because they're predicting Ben Shapiro actually is who I heard it from is 
in, in several others, not just Ben Shapiro, but um, several others are predicting as much as a 20% unemployment rate in our, in our country. And that's so frightening because um, that's, that's similar numbers to when, actually, I think it's more, um, more numbers are, it's a higher percentage than the 2008 housing market crash when we went into a recession when uh, Barack Obama was president. So, gosh, there's a lot that's coming out of this virus that was contracted in Wuhan, China. And a lot of people are really ticked off around the world at China right now. I know that our president, Trump, I am a supporter of Trump. I do like his policies and his leadership. I don't think he always acts presidential and talks presidential, but um, I do think that he's leading America in the right direction. A lot of people like Trump uh, are calling this the Chinese virus or the virus from China, which they are not incorrect in saying that this virus is from China because it it was contracted in a, a Wuhan, in Wuhan, China, in a meat market, an exotic meat market. And uh, there's some crazy videos out there that they have put on the internet, on Facebook, which is a social media site, um, about that, just showing what these meat markets look like. Uh, I've seen pictures, I've seen videos, and this, it's disgusting. Like, they've got chopped up snakes, like anacondas, uh, chopped up just laying around with the blood dripping everywhere. Uh, there's bats with like stakes down their throat, almost like on a skewer sort of thing. Um, and that's actually where they believe that this COVID-19 virus, which is similar to the SARS virus came from. It was, um, it was a SARS virus that jumped from, uh, an animal believed to be a bat and it jumped to a human because in China, they drink bat soup and they eat bats that are uncooked and um, some pretty interesting cultural things that here in America, we do not practice. Uh, I'm sure there's some people who practice these interesting cultural things, uh, delicacies, as some people might think of them. you know, in, in like Chinatown, New York or Chinatown, uh, Chicago, I'm sure that there are pockets of the U S who, who do eat bats, but that is not a common thing. You can't just go to any restaurant, no matter how fancy and exotic and just say, Oh, I think we're going to have bats, bat, bat soup. Uh, that's, that's just not something you can order. I'm actually fairly certain it's outlawed. Um, because that is, bats carry a lot of diseases and, um, that's just something that the American government is trying to protect, uh, citizens from eating things that could cause global pandemics. So, um, that's also something else that, um, you know, the World Health Organization is trying to ban and outlaw globally these exotic meat markets because they are so dangerous. And this is not the first virus that has been contracted from meat markets like these. SARS, um, I, I actually saw um, 
a list of uh, viruses that they've given names to and um, like every election year there's some there's something where it says like oh every election year there's a global pandemic but it's not every election year um, it it may be every election year, but it's not because of the election. It's not a scare tactic. It's not to test the the political leaders and how they are going to, you know, deal with a, a pandemic-sized freakout by Americans. That's not, it's not. So like I was saying, there's a lot of people panicking and freaking out. Um, a lot of funny as it sounds, toilet paper buying because apparently people think that they're going to be quarantined inside their homes for like three weeks and they're not allowed to go outside. I actually, um, that's not been the case at all. People have been allowed to go outside. The government is just asking that people limit their contact, um, exercise social distancing, you know, keeping three to six feet away from you and others. If you are sick, if you have a cough, or any of the COVID-19 symptoms, you need to stay as far away uh, as you can, uh, but the government would prefer that you stay at home. Now, if you are like my mother-in-law's work, which she works, um, Lori, she works for um, the VA in Danville, Illinois, um, she was told that if you are sick, and you have COVID-19 symptoms, you still need to report to work. You just will be asked to wear a mask and asked to wash your hands. Now, that's pretty ridiculous to me because it's not like she's a nurse. It's not like she's imperative, but basically her job at the VA is to call veterans, call their care providers, set up appointments um, for non-essential things. Like, like just wellness checkups or whatever like that. Her job is not essential, but the government has said, well, you are considered the military, a part of the military, and therefore you're a part of the government and you are important. You are an essential worker. So you have to work through the ups and downs of this COVID-19 virus. So my mother-in-law is not happy about it. She's been pretty vocal about that. She does have RSD, which is um, immunocompromised disease. Uh, she got it when she was when she um, had carpal tunnel surgery, and I yeah I I couldn't tell you all the ins and outs of that, but I can tell you that um, she's not happy about it. She's stressing out about it a lot. Um, me, on the other hand, uh, I'm a teacher and I was supposed to be returning from spring break on March 30th and, uh, returning from my maternity leave, but the governor of Indiana, Governor Holcomb, uh, shut down all the schools, uh, closed them until May 1st. He also decided that we will not do any state testing. The government, the federal government is not requiring that any state uh, report um, like their statistical findings and any uh, data that they get from the state testing and stuff like that. 
they're not requiring it this year because COVID-19 hit in the testing window. And um, for Indiana, like we would have, we could start testing as early as April 1st, I think. So, like the first couple, first week in April is when we could start. And the testing window closes like the second week, week of May or something like that. And then by the third week of May, we're out of school. But that's, um, we haven't been able to, we can't go to school. So for me, it's kind of tricky and crazy and I have to talk to the teachers association and figure out how the heck I'm going to get paid. But my superintendent hasn't even reached out to the school district to tell us what the plan is. In fact, he hasn't even emailed but posted on Facebook, of course, because Facebook is all-knowing. Um, he hasn't even emailed the staff to say, hey, we are closing May 1st. Hey, this is a rundown of what we're thinking. Or even just, we don't know what we're thinking. Uh, Dr. Schrader, as nice of a person as he is, I don't think he is sure what is going on. And you know no matter who the leader is, all that people want in a leader is to just be clear and um, transparent in times when everybody's freaking out and running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And so it'd be really great if, you know, we had an idea on what's going on. But I don't know. I know several other school districts, uh, Attica, who um, Attica Consolidated School Corporation? They're one of the neighboring school districts to us. They currently are doing e-learning. Now they have a setup for that. Warren County School System does not have a setup for that. Um, and so, uh, according to the Facebook post, which is I'm not taking as it as official because it's. Facebook, a social media platform, and not an official email from my superintendent, Dr. Ralph Schrader. Um, according to the Facebook post, it says that we will be um, will be doing either packets or we'll be sending home the the iPads to the kids, and so you know we'll be communicating and teaching online, but if you don't have Wi-Fi, here's a packet. So I'm just thinking, what the hell, as a teacher coming back from maternity leave, you're going to make me not only report to school, which that was something that he did say in his email that he's going to take, he's going to have teachers report to school, um, and work at the school, but, um, students won't be there, which I think, um, ISTA, the Indiana Teachers Association, put out something saying that they can't, they can make teachers report to school when students aren't present. I, I, I can't remember exactly, but it just sounds really absurd to me that you're going to have teachers report to school during a global pandemic when you have millennials who are notorious for being self-centered and not caring Um, about washing their hands and thinking about other people. And then you have baby boomers who are in the highest risk. Um, I think about one of my coworkers who she's a year away from retirement. Um, Our secretary is retiring this year. And, you know, the the list goes on and on in my building. And, And I could go on and on in my school district. They're right in that high risk category of catching 
COVID-19 and dying from this. And it just kind of shows how thoughtless some people are being um, and how reckless, honestly, um, some people are being in their decision making. And it's really rather frustrating. Um, And, you know, I don't know if I'm going to publish this or not. And I don't, I don't foresee myself working for my school district next school year. So I'm just going to go ahead and lay this out there that I think that there are, there's not some, there's not a lights, not a lot of lights on in some of our administrators right now. Um, I haven't even heard from my building principal, which is absolutely absurd. Uh, But you know, we are on spring break and it's a two week spring break, but I, I, I had hoped to hear something from somebody of authority in my school system uh, during a global pandemic. Who gives a crap that you're on spring break? You weren't supposed to be going anywhere during a global pandemic. And, and you know, I'm sorry, but you need to be there for, for your employees. Um, our superintendent in his stupid emails just says, relax, you know, take your time, enjoy the ride. And I'm thinking, enjoy the ride? I'm over here worrying about my husband's older family and my parents, uh, particularly my mom, um, because my, my, the older people in my family are all dead. Okay. But, um, my side of the family, but I'm, I'm worried about my husband's family and the ramifications of this global pandemic on our family structure and the family tree and what it's going to look like, um, you know, and how am I supposed to explain this to those around me? Um, not, not those around me, but, uh, explain this to my three-year-old who, you know, has never been through this, who's never seen anybody die, who, you know, is just so emotional about everything anyways. And gosh, I, I could not imagine what it would be like to have to explain to my three and a half year old buddy, I know you really love Gigi and Papa, but you're not going to see them anymore because they're sick or because they're dead. You know, like, how do you explain death to a child? I know that that's something that I will have to do eventually at some point, but gosh, I really hope it's not because people are being ignorant and saying, oh, you're going to work anyways. Um, and I hope it's not because of this COVID-19. Now, Zach's grandfather, Dave McLaughlin, he is a gynecologist and he was in surgery when they brought in a confirmed COVID-19 patient into his hospital. Now, as far as I know, he has not been exposed, but he is staying home. He's not seeing patients at his private practice. Um, him and his wife, Katie Joe, who we call Nana Joe, or Gigi, uh, as my son calls her, great grandma Gigi. You know, it, I hope that they're not sick, and I hope that I hope that nothing happens to them. Uh, just because I love them, I care for them, you know, and that's obvious. But I just think the the people that would be impacted by their death. Uh, my mother-in-law, who's the executor of their estate, and who she's already lost her father, and then to lose her 
stepdad and to lose her mother, I think that that would be really devastating to her. And I think that'd be really earth shattering to her. And, you know, I, that, that kind of makes me think of, um, my sister-in-law who got married two weeks ago, almost, yeah, two weeks ago. Um, which thank God she didn't have to cancel her wedding and this didn't hit any sooner. Um, because I, I actually have friends who are having to cancel their weddings. I've got a sorority sister who was supposed to be married to, uh, yesterday actually. And she had to cancel her wedding because of this pandemic. Um, it sucks to be a bride, but anyway, so I was talking to, um, grandpa Dave and he was just saying to me some, some crazy things. He was telling me basically what he wanted my role to be if he were to die and how I needed to help Kitty Joe and how they have written it out so that I would be the one in charge of some things and I would be the one, um, helping with some specific things. And that just was kind of surreal at the moment. I was just thinking, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, I know you guys are old, but like, come on, you're only 74, 75. Like you've got time, but gosh, like then a couple days later the everything started coming out and, you know, being so, so large and in the media about COVID-19 and how it is a global pandemic and how millions of people could possibly die. I know that we're in the hundreds of thousands currently. Um, and uh, I mean, Italy's hugely impacted, not only because, uh, they've got a really old population, one of the oldest in the world, but they've also got, uh, just their cultural, there's a lot of cultural things that, that cause them to be extremely susceptible to, uh, COVID-19, uh, just the proximity and some of the greetings that they do, you know, they kiss each other when they greet each other and, you know, sort that sort of thing. But, um, I forgot where I was going with this, but basically it just kind of was really surreal a few days later when I was thinking back to what Grandpa Dave was saying to me about what he feels my role should be, what him and Nana Joe feel my role should be when they die. And that is just so scary uh, to think that I could be going to a funeral or actually I could not be allowed to go to a funeral because, you know, they're having to dig mass graves and Oh, you know, there's stock stacking bodies and mortuaries and churches and whatever, like they're having to do in Italy. Um, it's just really scary, uh, to think of what, what our world could look like, uh, in a matter of days. And that's what they're saying is it in a matter of months, the way that our world looks could drastically change. We should, we could be a statistically younger world because this, this virus attacks the old, um, and they're thinking that it attacks older cells. So, you know, obviously people who, uh, they're saying like 60 and older are, are most at risk because they have more mature cells. Somebody like me, who's, um, who will be 27 in July, uh, I may not have any symptoms. If I have symptoms, they might be mild or it might feel like the flu, but I will recover. Uh, now there are some people who are young, who get it, who do recover. Um, 
which most people do recover. There have been some young deaths. I will say that there have been people who have died who are, you know, teenagers or in their 20s, 30s, even 40s who have no other comorbidities who have died. But they're saying those who do survive have like a 20 to 30 percent um, decrease in their lung capacity. Uh, so I am an athletic person and I use my lungs quite a bit and I stretch my lungs uh and I just think, gosh, I won't be able to enjoy running because of, because I could contract this virus. And it's, you know, it's really scary. Um, and I, I, I'll be honest, a lot of people are scared of themselves. I'm not really worried about myself. I'm more worried about my husband getting it because he is a type one diabetic. Um, I worry about my mama getting it who actually is my stepmom, you know, I worry about my mama getting it because she has a lot of issues. She's got heart issues. She's got um, blood issues. She's got type 2 diabetes. She's got neuropathy, fibromyalgia, AFib, uh, just so many, so many things uh, wrong with her. And I know that sounds awful, but yeah, she's, she's got a lot of health issues. And I just, think, gosh, like she already has to take an inhaler during, um, during peak seasons and aller- during peak allergy seasons. And I just, I worry because she could get that. I, she could get COVID-19 and she could die. And I just think that would change the formatting of my family so much. Um, because my dad and my mom have guardianship of my, uh, next month 14 year old nephew and I just think gosh this is really scary because people people very close to me could die and it's it's so scary but um I you know I just again like I said at the beginning I just really wanted to get my thoughts out here and I just wanted it to be sort of a, a primary source document whether it gets published whether it it's hidden and the crevices of the cloud, uh, you know, or whatever. I just really want to get this out there, um, some way so that either I can think back to it and remember, or so that it can be saved somewhere and I can show it as a primary source document, um, or audio, it's primary source audio blip of, of life, um, of life right now in the U S, uh, it's kind of scary. And I really hope and pray that we all get through this and that, um, I personally am not, I, I don't have to feel the impact of, of this and how scary it truly can be. Um, I just pray to God, um, for strength. And I just pray that, um, this hopefully brings us as a world closer to closer to God and not living in fear, but being prepared. Um, you know, that, that is one thing that I will say before I go, I've seen a lot of people, um, kind of pushing out more scripture and pushing out more public prayers and being more public about their faith which is so awesome because right now in the U.S., 
you were literally persecuted for your faith as a Christian and as somebody who is a who is not a closet Christian as you might say uh, I'm I'm out there about my faith I don't hide my faith uh, I go to church I let people know that I go to church I, I share my beliefs without pushing them on people I think I don't I don't think I'm a pushy Christian you know a Bible beater as they say but um, I have seen a lot more people being more public about saying, you know, we need to repent. Um, we need to lean on God. We need to ask for forgiveness for our sins. And how beautiful is that, that we have Jesus Christ, our Savior, during Easter season. It's all about the resurrection of Christ um, and how he died on the cross and rose again to save us from our sins. And um, I just think that First of all, it's a little ironic, but God's timing is not our timing and God's timing is purposeful. And so maybe this is something that is by God's design. I, we don't, I don't know. We'll never know. Um, we're not meant to know, I don't think. Uh, but I just hope and pray that as a society, as a world, we're closer to God we stop being so dang selfish and stop thinking that we are gods ourselves. I, I pray that I stop looking at idols. I stop worshiping idols. Um, and I'm going to try my hardest to just think of others in this horrific time and world history, uh, in American history. Um, I just pray that, yeah, we come out looking better and being better on the other side whether it be in this world or the next so um, I just wanted to record this I'm probably going to record several others just kind of updating what is going on currently uh, what what it's going to look like in Indiana what it's going to look like for me as a teacher and how my fifth and sixth grade math and science students are impacted and things like that but Um, yeah, so God bless you. Stay safe.